Thanks for braving the cold. Good to see you this morning. Uh, all of us uh, have dominant thoughts. We think about some of the same things over and over and over again. One of the things I think about is why Christianity is so unattractive to a lot of people. Why is it that people come to church and then abandon church? They may not abandon God, but they leave the church and, and in essence, they walk away. Why is it that the good news has not become good news for so many people? Growing up in uh, my boyhood church, uh, there were a lot of things that I found really unattractive. For example, uh, simple things like movies for me were forbidden. You could not go to a movie house. For some reason, it was uh, wrong. Um, there was a certain language that you talked in church, but nowhere else, you know? Hallelujah, brother, good to see you, praise God, you know, all that stuff inside the church, but when you left, nobody talked that way. I just found it weird. And, of course, the unforgivable sin. If anybody had a tattoo, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, that would be a gate stopper at the pearly gates. It was based on some remote Old Testament verse where it forbid you to mark your skin. But it was also, in the same verse, you couldn't wear clothing of mixed fabric. So if you had wool and polyester, for example, that was in the same category as a tattoo. I just didn't get it. And so a lot of people have misconceptions about God, about faith, about church, and they have rejected it, and rejected it on the wrong basis. And so I want you to know that we're going to talk a little bit about what is it that Christianity is all about. And so last week we be began this series to explain the foundation of Christianity. We exam examined how simple it is to know our Heavenly Father. And if you missed that, you can go to our app. Uh, at the bottom of the app is media. Just click that, uh, found foundations, find foundations, and you can tune in to last Sunday's message. But this was the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus was to explain God. And Jesus extends an invitation to everyone to follow. And before we get into the text today, I want to read a couple of verses from John. John was very close to Jesus. He was one of his closest friends. In fact, Jesus trusted him so much that when Jesus was up on the cross, he turned down to John and says, hey, would, would you look after my mom? I mean, that's how much he trusted him. He was kind of his favorite disciple. So the relationship was significant. And John had experienced so much growing up with Jesus and had seen so much of the early church that when he was an old man, he decided, I've got to chronicle what has happened. I need to leave these stories for future generations to understand. 
So in John chapter 1, in your notes in verse 17, it says, for the law, and we know that the law, what he meant was the Ten Commands, was given through Moses. And here's the big contrast. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And what John was saying is, this is a totally different system. In verse 18, no one has ever seen God. And this is amazing, this next part. But the one and only Son who is himself God. And John, in these couple verses, is saying that Jesus equates himself to God. And this is a hard thing for a lot of people to swallow. John had spent time with Jesus and came to the rock-solid conclusion that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was as much God as the Father God. And you'd say to John, can you explain that? And he'd say, nope, no, I just know that this is true. I've spent time with him, I've seen him, and I've come to the conclusion that Jesus is God. And then he continues, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with God. And then notice the next four words. Has made himself known. He's made himself known. And here's what we discovered. That Jesus did not only come into the world to die for our sins. He came to make God known. Jesus came to make God known. He lived and taught in a way that people would understand who God is. He came into the world where people were confused about God. And just like our culture, really. And like us, we wonder, how can God talk? How can we, what can we expect from God? Why does God do stuff? Why does God allow stuff? Is God good? These are questions about God. So Jesus came into this really sophisticated religious system that had drawn conclusions about God. And Jesus came into all of that to say, I want to tell you about God. He wants, you to, he wants to be known. Not what you imagine him to be, or construed about God based on a past religious teaching. The religious teachers meant well, but they have it all confused. For example, when, when someone was blind, the religious teachers said it was the, the blind guy's fault, or it was the parent's fault. They had something in their life that was unconfessed. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Let me explain God. He wanted to be known. So instead of straightening them out or giving them a bunch of information and, and giving them a manual and say, okay, figure it out, Jesus made God known by saying, follow me. Just follow me. Matthew, Peter, Andrew, uh, John, just Follow me and watch me and observe me and take notes and listen to what I say and see what I do because my actions will support my words. 
And as you follow, listen, as you follow, you will see what your Father in heaven is like. And as they follow, sure enough, it began to happen on the inside of them. And they actually began to believe in Jesus. And that's our word today. Believe. Believe. Not just believe in his ethics or his morality or, or what he said was true. But believe that Jesus was uniquely sent from God and they could put the, that Jesus on the same level as God. They were to believe. Here it is. They were to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. That's it. That Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Now, in churches, there's an old paradigm. And we talked about this last week. We said that in old church, you had to believe, uh, then you had to behave, and then you had to become. Or, or rather, you had to believe. Uh, you had to, you could belong. So you had to believe, then you had to clean up your life, adopt a new language. I uh, couldn't do much about the tattoo, but you, you could maybe then belong. But until you behaved, you couldn't belong. But here's what Jesus taught. This was his paradigm. His paradigm is, come, belong, come and see. And then somewhere along the line, you might believe. And if you believe, the Holy Spirit is going to help you become all that God has created you to be. So one day, one day Jesus was teaching. And in John chapter 6, he is recorded a sermon that he was giving as he was teaching. And the disciples were there, and there were crowds of people, thousands of people. They had heard about this great teacher who had done miracles, and he was doing signs and wonders, and, and, and they loved him. And Jesus gave a horrible sermon. I mean, you want to read it, and, and just like it was just like weird. And... So some people in the crowd said, oh man, I can't follow this anymore. Like, this is just too weird. I got to go. So they got up while he was teaching or at the end of his message, and they left. And Jesus, knowing the hearts of men and seeing that some of the people were going and, and they had left, he posed a question for his own disciples, and you'll see it in chapter uh, John 6, verse 4. 67. He turns to the disciples and he says, you do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. In other words, do you want to quit following me? And the disciples are kind of looking down. You know, they knew that the sermon was kind of hard and that people were leaving. And there's this long pause. And then finally, Peter speaks up and for once he gets it right. And in verse 66, Simon Peter answered him, and he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? In other words, who else? Who else should I follow? Because we followed you for a long time. We kind of know the ins and outs of what you're trying to do. And then he says, you have the words of eternal life. 
and we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And here's the point. Follow leads to believe. Follow leads to believe. And my hope for you is that whatever place of life you're in, whatever fears you have, whatever baggage you carry, whatever complaints you have, you used to go to church and you've never been or, or, or you've done a deal with a Christian and got burned and so you decided you're going to leave, you would come to know Jesus as the Holy One of God because it will make your life better. It will make your life better. If you follow and if you pay attention, what happened to the people who originally followed could actually happen to you. You, could, you. you come to see that Jesus is God, and in seeing Jesus, you would place all of your misconceptions aside, and you would come to know God for who He really is. And this is the pattern. This is the pattern. Jesus did not start out trying to get people to believe something. He just asked people to follow him. And along the way, they came to believe. The disciples, when they first met Jesus, were not believers. And it wasn't until way into the ministry that they began to believe in Jesus. And this is the pattern of the New Testament. Many of you are following and are on the verge of believing. Or some have crossed the line already. So I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about believe and look at some complicated verses. So if you have an idea that the Bible is hard to understand, I will confirm that this morning for you. The verses we will explore were written by a person who at one point in life was more skeptical than some of you. He did not believe that Jesus was the way. He thought him to be a blasphemer, a heretic, and everyone who followed Jesus should be put in jail. He spent the first part of a career, his career as a religious person in arresting and persecuting and killing Christians. To him, the idea uh, that Jesus was God was an affront to everything that was good in society. It was illogical to this person. And then he met Jesus Christ and he spent time with John and Peter who hung out with Jesus. And we, of course, are talking about the guy named Paul who made a 180-degree turn and began teaching the stuff that he used to persecute and hate. Now, Paul was a skeptic who became a believer that Jesus was the Son of God. And he wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome. And remember, Rome was, uh, Christianity was illegal in Rome. And he wrote about the significance of the word believe. So let's pick up in Romans 3, where it says in verse 21, but now, now this is important because it's a new, it's really new. Apart from the law of righteousness, he writes, and let me define righteousness up front, it means right standing with God. So, apart from the law of righteousness of God has been made known. 
And all of the Jews in the audience would go, huh? What do you mean apart from the law? I thought righteousness came from keeping the law. Now Paul is saying there's something new. New. You thought you pleased God or maintained a right standing with God by doing the right things. This makes sense because every religion in the world teaches something like this. And everybody in the world has a different idea of what is right. And Paul says you can have a right standing with God apart from the law. Now let's talk about you for a minute. You want a right standing with God. Everything might be going great for you right now, and you might not think about it, but there's going to come a time when that's all you think about. I remember uh, a good friend of mine, I used to work for him in a clothing store. And he was the life of the party. I mean, if, if you were having a party, you invited he and his wife because they would bring so much fun to the party. And then I heard he had cancer. And I went up to the hospital room where he was lying, plugged into all of these tubes and stuff. And it was two days before he died, and I did not know that. And I said to him, are you ready to meet your maker? And his eyes were this wide. He said, no. Do you want to know? Yes. All of us want a right standing with God. And if you're in that hospital room and you're lying on your back and all those things are plugged into you, you'll have a cross and a star of David and a rabbit's foot and a crescent. I mean, you'll want all the help you can get. Whatever's next, you want it to be good. And you want to be good with God, whatever is on the other side. And to use Paul's term, you want a right standing with God. And that is why you pray and say, forgive me, even when you may not know who you're talking to. Everybody wants to be cool with God. And Paul says, that's great. But here's the announcement on how to be in a right standing with God apart from keeping rules, apart from making God happy, apart from hoping it will go well someday. Paul continues, to which the law and the prophets testify. So he's saying all that Old Testament stuff, you know, the Old Covenant, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and the Red Sea and David and Saul and Solomon, all of that pointed to a, a time in history when God would make it known that all mankind could have a right standing with God apart from what they do and how well they do it. All that Old Testament stuff was like a sign pointing you to God to have a right standing with Himself. And it's available by a different means, Paul says. Verse 22. This righteousness, which means what? Right standing with God. Good, all three of you are awake. And the righteousness, he says, is given through, and here's the new part, 
faith in Jesus Christ to all, and here's our word, believe. To all who believe. And this is a new way. And God opened a path for everyone to have a right standing with God, not by keeping rules, but through faith in Jesus Christ. He says there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Now he's thinking about Jew versus Gentile, Greek versus Roman, good versus bad, Matthew is a tax collector versus John is a businessman, a bomber fan versus a rider fan. There's absolutely no distinction that is a right standing is available to everybody. And you're saying, you mean a bomber fan can believe too? Yeah. Strange but true. Why? Paul says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that glory of God could be interpreted as radiance of God or splendor or greatness of God or goodness of God. We've fallen short of it, Paul says. We've sinned. We've missed the mark. And here's the point. Even if you think you're better than me and not quite as good as somebody else, you still stand on your own and you do not have a right standing with God. And we have acted disobediently and offended others and we've done bad things to others and we've cheered for the Maple Leafs. Yet God loves you anyways. So if you still think you are good, and then spend some time in the Old Testament and see not only that there's the Ten Commands, but they added another 600 laws. And Paul says to the Jewish nation, do you want to see what it means to be perfect? He says, okay, here's what it would look like. You mess up. So along with the Jewish laws, God gave a sacrificial system to deal with your mess-ups. God assumed that you would never keep all of the laws. So he instituted a sacrificial You have to bring this animal, this unblemished animal. You place your crap on that animal and bring it to the temple and they would sacrifice it and the blood would flow. And Paul says to one degree or another, we've all fallen short of God's standard to which we need an answer to the question, how do you have a right standing with God whose standard is perfection? How do you get into the good graces of God? And Paul says, I'll tell you how it will happen. Not by trying harder, because you'll still fail. Not by being consistent, because you're inconsistent. Not by outweighing the bad good, which means you will become the standard. How do you make up some, for something when perfection is the standard? And Paul says, it's really impossible. It's impossible. So he goes on, verse 24. All are justified, and what is the word? Freely. Freely. Now think about this. Free means free. But being Canadians, we don't trust the word free, do we? When people call us and say something is, is free, we look for that catch. 
The advertisement is, hey, you can come to the resort for absolutely free. Oh, but you have to attend this little meeting where they tell you about timeshares, right? So it's really not free. There's always a catch. But Paul says, not this time. All you have to do is to open your hand. It's not a trade. It's not from now on. It's not a promise. It's not, God, I commit or I rededicate. That is a, a trade of earning something. Rather, he says, it is by grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus, the one and only Son, to do something on my behalf so that God could give me something absolutely free. And then he dives pretty deep into the Old Testament. In verse 25, he said, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood which was really Old Testament talk because they all knew about sacrifice. And we don't really think about it this way anymore. We think of sacrificing time or, or something, but they always th thought in terms of blood and sacrifice. And in verse 25, he said, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. How? Through the shedding of his blood. And now the good news. To be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. And what Paul is doing in that verse is really addressing a question the people had back in his day. They were asking, what about my friends who died before Jesus showed up? What about those guys? What about Abraham and Moses and those who never knew Jesus Christ? And Paul says all of their activities pointed in the direction that one day there would be a Messiah who would come. The great news, God in his infinite mercy has taken the death of Jesus which was a payment for all of our sins that would happen in the future and applied it to also the sins of the past. So the people that lived in the previous generation who had faith in God and were followers were covered. They were safe. This is such good news. Paul says, in verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just. So what he was saying, God understood the ramifications of your sin and my sin. He did not say, hey, let's change the standard so that we're all good. Let's dumb it down or take our cues from culture. God could not do that because he is good. He is righteous. And understanding this tension, Paul said God became the just and the one who justifies. And he says, I'm going to make, a right, a right, make right a problem I did not create. I'm going to address sin that is not my sin 
And God addressed the tension that he had created between him and the human race because of sin. God did something that it made it all right. And God took care of it. He continues, And the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. Now, maybe at this point, you've wrestled with this whole thing and said, but isn't Christianity too narrow? Like, it's just so narrow, isn't it? And Paul would say, no, it's not narrow. It's broad. Everybody is invited to believe. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. So what's so narrow about that? But isn't it exclusive, you say? And Paul says it's not exclusive. Everybody's invited. There's no difference. God came to the world where everybody has sinned. Everybody has fallen short. And He died for the sins of mankind. The good news of Christianity is there is a way to have a right standing with God. Not by doing something on your own. But the right standing is available through what Jesus did on our behalf. God was just. Something had to be done. And God was the justifier. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to take care of it. Jesus would say, I know that's a lot to swallow. That's a lot of information. There's a lot to understand. And that was a lot to explain. And so He would say, just follow Me. Follow Me. Just listen and learn and observe and maybe one day, maybe someday, if you pay attention, it will dawn on you. Jesus was the one sent from God to take care of my sin, to explain God, to give me access to God, and to allow, allow you to go at bed at night, to bed at night and know that things are good between you and God. Jesus did something on my behalf that bridged the gap so that I do not have to bridge the gap with my good works. God took Jesus' goodness. He applied it to our badness. He took Jesus' righteousness and applied it to our unrighteousness so that we can have a right standing with God. And the invitation of Christianity is you could have this for absolutely free. There's no strings attached. Nothing you can do. All you do is believe. And here's why. When you have that aha moment, when you transfer your trust from your goodness to what Christ did for you, when you decide, I'm not going to try to have a right standing with God by being good, but I'm going to apply Jesus' goodness to my badness and apply faith in Jesus. When you use our word, believe, something happens inside of you. 
your experience, you experience forgiveness and it will be easier to forgive other people. It will change your behavior. Your lifestyle will begin to change. Not in order to gain God's love, but because God's love has been freely given to you. Now, this is difficult to grasp because unintentionally, some of us, like me, grew up in churches where you had to believe and then commit yourself to a list of behaviors. Until then, you couldn't belong. Some of you need to know that Jesus invites you to belong way before you believe. And he says, come with all of your baggage. All of the things that you've done bad, even if you have tattoos, just come, he says. Come, come, come. Belong. And someday you may believe. Some of you are saying this morning, I kind of think I'm there. I don't know exactly when it happened or how it happened, but I, I find myself... I'm not resisting anymore. I'm coming to church with not one foot on the brake. It's kind of scary, but it's, it's almost like there's a rebirth happening in my heart, inside, and I'm, I'm curiously seeking. And others of you find yourself crossing the line and believing. And you've made a formal transfer of trust. And you identify a moment when you said yes. You remember the day when you began to believe. You say, I remember where I was. And I no longer trust my ability and my consistency and my righteousness. But some of you are just at the door. You've kind of been following and you kind of see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And this morning, right where you are, I'm inviting you to believe and to receive freely the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers you based on what he did on the cross. And you can take all of your badness and give it to him and receive all of his righteousness. And you can be free. And if that's your desire, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and pray. And if you're ready to believe, would you pray this prayer just quietly to yourself? Just pray this. God, I'm ready to believe. I let go of all of the lies. The lies like I, be I believed that I had to be good enough. I accept what Jesus did. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Help me understand what that means. I receive your righteousness. 
I thank you for accepting me. Thank you for making me good with God. And now I run to the Father who receives me with open arms. In Jesus' name, amen. The song talks about an altar, and it reaches back to the Old Testament where the lamb was brought to the altar. And it was a place of commitment and sacrifice. And Jesus Christ became that for us. Now, you say, well, is it so simple as I just believe? We'll talk about that next week. But there's a moment in time every day where you say, realize you've missed the mark and you've disappointed yourself and you've disappointed others and you've disappointed God. And he calls that sin. And he says, if you confess that sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every unrighteousness. Jesus Christ has covered every angle for every person in this room. Would you just take a moment to reflect? There's something you need to confess. Do that. And for many of us, we just need to say thank you, God. Let's take a moment. During supper, Jesus broke the bread and he said, take and eat this bread for it's my body broken for you. And then after supper, he took the cup and he says, this is the new covenant, the new agreement in my blood. And he said, take and drink. So let's eat and drink together in remembrance of Christ. you stand with me? <clears throat> there will be people at the front if you would like to speak with them or pray with them or ask questions. If you have questions about the church and you would like to connect, please stop by the info desk. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body and for your blood. And you satisfied the righteousness of God by that action on the cross. And you came out of the grave alive. And you offered to us forgiveness and righteousness and all that we need freely if we just believe. And we thank you. And we worship you. Thank you that you will go with us this week. May we honor you because you have honored us. May you bless the people in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope to see you next week. Invite a friend. We're going to talk about become.